0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise God. We've been talking about allegories or pictures of our whole Christian life. There've been four of them. Today is the fourth and it's the last in the series and it's a summary a tying up together of all of them. I really would encourage you to listen to all four again. There is something in this series that I believe, not because I'm clever or anyone else here is clever, God has put something together in this series that I think will help you in your Christian life. If you look at all four allegories together, you'll gain something precious from the Lord. And today I want to look at faith as being a living thing that is born, that grows and that can die or can become stronger. And faith is important. My first point is faith is important. In fact, Galatians 5 in the NIV says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says your faith is much more precious than gold. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And Romans 14 23 says, anything that does not come from faith is sin. You can see that faith is so important. We know that our whole Christian life, it says we walk by faith and not by sight. We are saved by grace through faith. Uh, uh, Romans 1 verse 17 says our, our righteousness is from faith to faith or faith faith from first to last. Faith is the thing. It pleases God. It, it's everything and yet for many of us faith is a nebulous, difficult to understand concept and I want to try and make it simple today going from birth through growth to death or strengthening of our faith to help us understand. It is so important. So faith is born, Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes when I hear God's word. What happens is faith, the Bible talks about faith as being like another sense. You know you've got five senses, sight, hearing, taste, smell and touch and you sense what's going on around you but the Bible talks about another sense. It says open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. In 2 Corinthians 4, it talks about fixing our eyes on what is invisible. Now, how can I fix my eyes on what is invisible? There's a sixth sense called faith, where we sense the invisible, powerful spiritual realm, and it's the most important one. And faith comes when I hear the word of God. What happens is the the word of God spoken opens a portal for me and I can see into an invisible realm. It's almost like there's TV and radio waves even now in this room, but our five senses can't pick them up. Isn't that true? If you can, let me know because there's something awesome about you if you can watch TV without having a TV in the room. That's fantastic. I wish I could do that. Imagine you could be on a date with your husband or wife or girlfriend and you could be listening to the sport while you're having the date. That would be fantastic. Awesome. But most of us cannot do that. We need to plug in a TV and the aerial goes up. You know what an aerial is? Nowadays, it's a satellite dish or, I don't know, built into the system, but there has to be a device that picks up the radio and the TV waves, and it produces it as a picture and sound that we can see. That's what faith is. Faith is this thing that enables us to see what would be invisible otherwise, and it comes through the Word of God. Every time I hear the Word of God, faith can be born in me. You say, what does it feel like? It's like a sense has been switched on which was not switched on before. On YouTube now you can search For videos of when somebody who's had sight or hearing problems sees or hears for the first time sometimes it's colorblind people sometimes it's people with hearing impairment and they give them a device or they do some operation and that sense is switched on and wonderment comes on their face and they're so excited and overjoyed I can see I can hear and tears flow and it is the most powerful thing That's what faith is like. You're sitting there and God's word is spoken. For instance, when we had communion a few moments ago and we heard that Jesus died on the cross for me, God's word came and suddenly a sense was awakened within me. Could I be forgiven? Could there be more than just what this world tells me is true? Could Jesus have died and set me free? And faith comes alive it's like a newborn baby. It's born and it it comes alive. But that verse says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not faith comes by having heard many years ago. It's a continual thing. I keep hearing. I've got to keep hearing the word of God for faith to stay alive. But now the second part of the process is testing. Um, I'm going to read a verse from 1 Peter 1, verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that trials come about. So imagine you come to church and you hear this guy dressed in a kind of a weird dress and he's got a funny accent and he preaches some words and faith leaps to life in your heart. And you hear God's word that says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love and some excitement and wonderment and anticipation rises in your heart. It's like a new sense has been switched on and you think, wow, I can believe and I can trust and I can express it through love. And you walk out of here and you're saying, where is someone I can love? And what happens is various trials and testings come. That's what this verse says. And these are are given to prove the genuineness of your faith, a bit like gold being refined in a fire. So you walk out of here and you say, I am ready to express my faith through love. I'm so excited. I've got faith. I've got joy. I've got peace. I want to love someone. And you walk out of here and some unlovely and unlovable person walks straight up into your face and they swear at you. Or your car gets crashed and you have, you have to try and express love and faith, and there's this test that comes against you. Has anyone found that? Has anyone found that every time faith springs up, every time you get a revelation of something in the Bible, there is a test that comes extremely soon afterwards that seems to be the opposite of what you've just heard, that seems to test it, that seems to, to make it difficult to believe what you've just heard. You hear God's word that says, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And you're so full of excitement and faith and, and you want to act on it and you want to give and be generous and be part of this wonderful process that God is doing. And immediately you get a test, you get an unexpected bill or something happens and you haven't got enough money and you say, oh, testing comes. And if we're not prepared for it, we could think this is a terrible disaster, but this verse says, in this you greatly rejoice because you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The reason for the test is twofold. Number one, it gives you something to exercise your muscles against. You know, if a baby is born and never has to exercise, if a baby just lies in its cot and its mom and dad just bring it everything it needs and it never has to use its muscles, it will not grow into a big, strong, healthy baby. Is that true? Faith is tested because it's like a muscle and we need to exercise our faith. And if we're not expecting that, we won't rejoice when the trials come but the second reason that trials come it says it's like gold being refined in a fire now i did some research on this i looked up some videos on how gold is refined by fire nowadays they've got chemical processes but in the old days in bible times they used to heat up the gold to an extremely high temperature and the impurities would float to the surface and someone with a ladle would scoop the impurities off the surface of the gold. Friend, this verse says you are given trials not to kill your faith, but to reveal some impurities, some beliefs that are different to what the Word of God says. It reveals something in my thinking and in my heart, because how many of us know that When we hear the word of God, it comes after we've learned a whole lot of lessons in life. Is that not true? We've learned to be selfish, we've learned to not love, we've turned, we've learned to be stingy, we've learned to respond in anger or manipulation, we've learned not to trust without being able to see with our physical eyes. We've learned a whole lot of lessons. We've learned some bad habits. I learned to be a racist when I was a child. I grew up in a, in a culture which told me that races have different values. I learned a whole lot of things. And when the word of God came to me, there was a whole lot of impurities already in my heart that needed to be revealed and chucked out in order for faith to grow. And this verse tells me that my faith is tested so that I can see what impurities are there. So, for example, I hear the verse that says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, and I'm confronted with an unlovely and unlovable person, and all of these thoughts that I've had in my life from my past rise to the surface, and I can choose, do I go with faith Or do I go with my other ways of thinking? So testing comes to exercise my muscles of faith and to reveal to me what is not right. I just want to talk for a few moments about a thing called unbelief. Are you ready for this? Romans chapter 4 verse 20 says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to to God. Remember, we're talking about faith being born. It springs up even today. Some of us are sitting here and we're getting a sense, wow, there might be more to this world than what my five senses say. And something springs up and now we're starting to get strengthened in faith. We realize it's going to be tested and we're going to rejoice and allow it to go its right way. But it says that Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. And I want to focus on that little word unbelief. But then it says he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. If we don't go with the root of unbelief, if we allow the refining process to help us to chuck out this thing called unbelief, then we become strengthened in faith. Your faith gets stronger and you give glory to God. You start to just praise him more and more. But if we go with unbelief, We're going to see later that it's not a good result. So what is this word unbelief? It's a Greek word, apistia is the word. It's not the same as the Greek word for little faith, which is oligopistia. There are two different Greek words. One is called unbelief and the other is called little faith. And they're not the same thing. In Matthew chapter 17, the disciples tried to cast a demon out of a little boy. This little boy came to them and he was frothing at the mouth and the demon was throwing him into the fire. And they tried and they tried and they thought they were going to be heroes for Jesus, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus came and he dealt with the issue quickly. And the disciples came to him sheepishly thereafter. And in Matthew 17 and verse 19, it says, they said to Jesus, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a mustard seed was the smallest seed they knew of. It was the tiniest measure, and Jesus said, You don't need a lot of faith. Faith is such a powerful thing that even a tiny amount is enough to be able to say to this mountain or this demon or this problem or whatever it is, you move, you get out, nothing will be impossible for you if you have the tiniest amount of faith. The problem is not little faith, the problem is this other faith called unbelief, which is the opposite of faith where, for example, this boy comes with this demonic problem and suddenly the disciples start to say, am I really good enough? do I really have the qualifications and the credentials? You know, there's a lot of histrionics and sights and sounds and frothing and crying and screaming. My eyes and my ears and my senses and my logic are telling me this is a really dangerous demon. This is a terrible problem and all this unbelief, this belief in other things was competing with this little mustard seed of faith that they already had that said you have the power and authority to deal with this issue. Does that make sense or resonate with you? It does with me. Whenever God's word comes and faith springs up in my heart, I get tested. Maybe there's you know, there's a struggle financially or health-wise or an interaction with another person. My faith is tested and unbelief, thought processes, logical arguments that are not agreeing with God's word start to come to mind and the test brings the impurities to the surface and I am challenged to say, are you going to believe God's word even though your eyes and ears and logic say differently? Which way are you going to go, Greg? And in this very same story, in Mark's version, chapter 9 and verse 24, the father of the little boy falls down at Jesus' feet and he cries out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You see, many of us think I've got to have massive faith to do massive things for the Lord. And I want to tell you, faith is such a powerful thing that a tiny little mustard seed of it is enough. The problem with most of us is the unbelief, the believing other things. Your science teacher tells you miracles can't happen. Your science teacher or some professor or some expert says the Bible isn't true, and that's unbelief. And we've got to, when the trials come, we've got to say, I'm choosing faith instead of unbelief. Many of us, have never gone through that process of willfully actively choosing faith and throwing out the impurities. And the verse about Abraham in Romans 4 says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham had to wait 25 years from when God first promised the, the child to when the child came. Abraham was 75 years old in Genesis chapter 12, and God appears to him and said, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you uh, prosperous and give you many, many descendants. I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to do great things through you and give you this land. And it was 25 years later, when Abraham was 100 years old, that the promise came to pass. In fact, the verse before Romans 4.20, the Romans 4.19, says that Abraham did not consider his own body that was dead, being 100 years old, and Sarah, his wife, her, her womb was closed up. She was 90 years old. It says he did not consider those, but he considered him who promised to be faithful and able to do what he promised. Can you see that Abraham was given the choice of going with unbelief Which is what his five senses and his logic and everything told him, all going with faith. He chose to go with faith, and as a result, he was strengthened in faith. And now my last point is that faith always acts. Faith always acts. James chapter two, verse fourteen. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? but does not have works. Can such faith save him? What is this saying? Well, let's read on. Verse 17. Also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You believe there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also. James 2 verse 26 is the last scripture that we're going to look at. This says that as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. I'd like you to just imagine with me. Imagine you're a CSI or a, or a forensic policeman and you walk into a crime scene and there's a body there and you look at the body on the floor, and you look at the evidence around you, you look at the setup of the room, and you say, what happened here? As you're looking at the body, you're trying to make some decisions about what kind of a person was this. Were they overweight? Were they uh, into alcohol and drugs and things? where they living a bad lifestyle? What caused this death? You can see some evidence from the body, from the scene, from the way that it's died. You can, you can ascertain some things about the body and about the way that it died. This verse says exactly the same thing. You can come across a Christian who doesn't have works. In other words, their faith did not result in some action. And it says, The body used to be alive, but now the spirit's gone, so it's no longer alive. The Christian used to be alive, but because there was no corresponding action, which the Bible calls works, that Christian's faith died. Very sad. Oh, so sad. The good news is you can make it alive again. That's the great news today. I wanted to say to you, we're going to go a little bit introspective for a few minutes, but the good news is you can revive. God revives faith, even today. So you've heard a scripture that says, my God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And faith sprung up within you and you started to think of your needs and you realize it's not just material needs. It's not just financial and housing and clothing. It's relationship needs. It's emotional needs. It's all the needs that I have. The need for significance, the need for acceptance, the need for love, the need for, every, for a purpose in life. God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And faith came alive. Uh, another sense other than your five senses was awakened within you and testing came and you realize that God says I want you to be part of this process. You can't keep a closed fist. If I'm going to provide all your needs, you've got to be willing to be generous with your love, with your time, with your resources. You've got to be willing to give. And testing came and somebody required something of you and God's spirit was prompting you. And he was saying, give this person your time, your love, your energy, your counseling, your finances, whatever it is. And you had a choice, unbelief or faith testing comes. The refining fire comes. I've got a chance to exercise my faith. And there will always be a work associated with faith. Every time God's word brings faith alive, there is an action that will correspond. Every time. Because faith without works is dead. There is no faith that doesn't have a corresponding action. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Love is often the action. Speaking is often the action. Jesus said, if you believe, you will say to this mountain, be removed from here to there. There is always a speaking when it comes to faith. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, with the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore speak. There's always a mouth action out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth always speaks. When there's faith, one of the actions is speaking and giving praise and glory to God. Um, Another one is love, loving people. But often there's a there's a specific action required. When God's word brings faith alive, there is often a specific response. And we come to a crossroads, and the testing is there, and the heat is rising the temperature of the gold, and we're testing. Unbelief, faith, unbelief, faith, unbelief, faith. What am I going to do? And this verse says that if I choose not to act you see, there's no middle ground with faith. You're either going forward strongly or you're going backwards and dying. There's no. You can't stay static. And yet many of us say, I'm just going to, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to respond. And this verse says, the minute I do that, my faith, which was a beautiful little thing, a mustard seed of faith that was born that grew, that was strengthened, that spoke, that got some big kind of muscles in it. Because I've chosen not to obey, my faith has stayed the same? No. Weakened? No. Died? My faith has died. You say, what does that mean, Greg? Does that mean I'm no longer a Christian? Doesn't mean that. It means in that specific area, that seed of faith, about God providing all of your needs and you being generous that seed has died in your life and for it to be revived again we need to go and I've done this many times in my life back to God and say God I'm so sorry that I allowed that precious seed of faith to die. The problem is many of us we've recognized a coldness a distance from God in our Christian life And rather than trying to get faith revived again, we think, let me kickstart it again with my own human efforts. And so I'll be a better person and I'll try harder and I'll go to more meetings and I'll get up earlier and I'll do all these things to try and get faith going. But it's a supernatural thing. The only way it can come alive again is by God's word, that seed being planted in and faith being born supernaturally again. I need to go and say on my knees, God, I'm sorry that I didn't Value that seed of faith. I allowed it to die. I did not obey. And rather than my heart becoming hardened, because every time I disobey, my my heart gets harder again. And I've got to plow up my heart and say, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be a person who just disobeys and doesn't listen to your voice. I want to be soft, tender hearted. I want a a soft heart again. God, I'm sorry I didn't listen to your prompting of faith, which said give, which said love, which said raise my hands in worship, which said pray, which said witness, which said all these things. God, I'm sorry. Make my heart soft again. And immediately, the word of God comes in and faith is reborn again. Now, you might be here listening today, and you might say, well, that's, that's lovely. But that's just, yeah, I'm, uh, that's another sermon, ticked off, yeah, nice sermon. But friend, I, I believe today is not just another sermon. God is, God is actually specifically pinpointing something in your life and mine. And he's saying, you now know you have a choice. When you hear God's word, it will be tested. It will grow strong. But now you must choose what you're going to do about it. There is always an action. What are you going to do about this? And I propose to you that the response is to say, God, I'm sorry, make my heart new. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for being hard-hearted. Please forgive me for choosing unbelief or the, the wisdom of the world or what my own logic or senses say instead of Trusting what your word says. Make, make faith come alive in me again. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.